Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. The church we built. The next six weeks, we're going to be going through this series titled The Church We Built. And we want to simplify the mission of the church. Not just our church, but the church. See, Jesus came, he died on this earth. He lived on this earth and died, and he made a way for us to establish the church, which is his great plan. And we are a part of this great thing called the church. And so we are building this, and I believe that you know, as a church, we've, we have values, we have mission statements, we have vision statements, and all of these things help us to fall in line with what we feel God has assigned us to do. But underneath all of that, there's a great umbrella mission of the church and what Jesus died for and this great thing that we get to unite a part of. And so we're going to be speaking on the church we build, the mission of our church that we build. And as we just heard on the first scripture is Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. Are you okay if I read it again? I love it. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles, Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. And we're also going to be reading James 4, 7 through 8. Are you ready for the word today? You ready for a little bit of preaching? Ready to be transformed from the inside out? Renewed and ready? See, you came in here today thinking... Uh, yeah, it's just going to be a chill day at church. It's kind of stormy outside. I'm feeling all the feels right now. Uh, but we're about to preach this place. We're about to lean in. We're believing God for big things. We're believing God for life transformation today in your life and the lives of others around you. So are you ready for the preaching today? Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? We're no longer foreigners and strangers. We've been welcomed in to his household and we are members now. We got any Costco members in the house here? Sam's Club? You're a part of the club. You're a member. Verse 20, built on the foundation, everybody say foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And James 4, 7 through 8 in the English Standard Version says it like this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What a great promise for us today. I think we could pass by the first line of so many scriptures and just read them and go, man, yeah, we're trying to get to the meat, but can I tell you what a great promise for you today. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And it says this, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And everybody goes, Alex, I thought you were going to preach an encouraging message. 
We'll get there. Let's pray before the preaching of God's word. Lord, you see us, you know us, you care for us, and we're grateful. We're grateful that you call us members of your great household. We're grateful that you've welcomed us in. So here and now, God, I pray that we will pick up the mantle of responsibility of understanding the weight of building this great church with you. Lord, I pray over every ear, let them hear in this room. Let every heart be open and receptive to your word. Anoint my words to speak it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 When I was younger, I don't know what it was, this weird obsession with me, but I would go around and I would write my name on anything that I could find. If I had a pen, I would write my name on things. If there was a, a whiteboard or a chalkboard, I would just write my name on it. It's like, I don't know why, I just wanted to put my name everywhere. And I remember, uh, you know, a couple times my dad laid some concrete in our backyard and he let us put our hands in it and write our name in the concrete. Anybody else ever done this before? A couple of you. You put your name in this concrete, and for the rest of the concrete's life, it has your name imprinted in this thing. It was a little bit of an obsession, and uh, even last night as I was walking, my little dog, call us crazy, I don't know why we just got a dog, but as we're walking around, I see on the ground, on this little sidewalk, some people's names from 1989 wrote their names in there, and I'm like, it's just wild, it's there forever. And, you know, we had this, this neighbor who moved in next door. I was probably 12 at the time. And they moved in, and they started to build a house. So they cleared off the lot, and they came in and dug all the ditches, and they came and laid concrete. Well, with my weird obsession of writing my name at a young age, I went over, and I found a stick. And what did I do? Wrote my name in the foundation of this house. Why? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> But I go and I write my name in the foundation of this house. I thought it was all awesome. Came back the next day. It was hard. I'm like, yes, there it is. And it was a couple days later, we get a knock on the door. And the neighbors come over and go, uh, did your son write his name in the foundation of our house? And I got in so much trouble. I got in so much trouble because I was over there messing with their foundation and all this stuff. But you know what happened? It was a couple weeks later. They started putting wood on top of it. They started covering it up. And they started building a house. And, and I'm like, why did, they get so, why did I get in so much trouble? Because they were just going to cover it up anyways. You know what I mean? And then I'm just holding the thing. Look at me. I got my name on the bottom of this house for the rest of eternity. This foundation has my name built on the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Well, as we read this scripture, it reminded me of that and how silly it is. But really in the fact that God is welcoming us to partner with him in building this great church. The mission, the bride of Christ, the reason he came to the earth and died was so that we can take on this mission and be the church of Jesus Christ. And he's welcomed us in. It says in Ephesians that it's built on apostles and prophets before us. So already on the foundation laid before are the names of people that have been doing this thing the years and generations before us. And it says Jesus is the chief cornerstone, holding it all together. The foundation piece that's uniting everything is Jesus Christ. And he's welcoming us. 
What, a, what an amazing privilege and honor it is for us in this place to be welcomed to write our name on the foundation of this great church that Jesus is building across the world. It's an amazing privilege. But with that, we have to start somewhere. We have to enter in somewhere in everything in life. You kind of got to take the first step and figure out what that first thing is. And, you know, I, it, in so many areas of life, people just force their opinion on you of what they think is like the, the thing to do. One of the greatest areas that people do this is when you're having kids. Watch out if you don't have kids. But everybody that has kids knows exactly what I'm talking about. Parents, friends, people, they just come and put their opinion. Hey, you know, if you want them to sleep, you got to do this. They're like, hey, you know, if you want, if you want to be able to go in a car, you got to do this. Or when you're getting ready to have a baby, you got to do these different things. And, you know, one of the things that people kept telling us is we got to go to a Lamaze class. One of my friends was telling me I got to go to a Lamaze class. Well, he was, he was, you know, him and his wife were pregnant before us. And I was watching them go through this process, kind of learning the steps of all these things. And a Lamaze class is simply teaching basically how to have a baby and how to help uh, your spouse have a baby. And so... Uh, there he goes through this Lamaze class, sitting in this room, holding, holding behind his wife and helping her breathe and all this kind of craziness. Well, when the time comes and he's in the room just going, hey, babe, you got to breathe like this. You got to do this. She's like, get away from me. Right? Of course. Like, why, why would you want somebody screaming in your ear telling you how to do it? And also, you have doctors and nurses who do this five to 20 times a day with all of these people knowing how to get them to breathe. And how to get this baby out. So he's like, he went through this Lamaze class. And then when the baby came out, he had no idea what to do at all. So Brianna got this great idea. She says, Alex, we should go through a newborn care class so you can learn how to take care of a baby. You know what I'm saying? So we rock up and there's these little rubber babies. And they teach me how to swaddle a baby, how to change a diaper, how to burp this baby. It was the best starting place. So when Brianna is having the baby, I wasn't helping at all. I'm just standing in the corner eating a chimichanga going, you got this, girl. <laughs> and then when that baby popped out, and it popped, we almost dropped it. I'll tell you that story later. When that baby popped out, I went into action. You know what I'm saying? I was so useful. I grabbed that baby. I'm like, let me rock this, but we're going to get it to sleep. We're going to change diapers. I'm going to do, I don't know what was coming out of it for the first week of his life, but I tell you what, I was doing whatever I could to take care of this baby because I was prepared to take the first step. We have to take the first step in building this great church. We have to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere in building a church that changed lives and makes a difference. We have to start somewhere in creating safe spaces for people to belong we have to start somewhere in enabling people to work out the great commission in their own lives. And I really believe this. Church actually isn't meant to be complicated. Take a sigh of relief right now. Church isn't meant to be complicated. It's actually beautiful what God laid out for us. Yes, I'm going to be honest. God is a little bit complicated. He's a little bit of a mystery, and it takes a lot of faith to believe in God. But his plan and the mission for our lives is actually pretty simple. And we're going to explore that for the next six weeks. But where do we start with this whole thing? How do we enter into what it looks like to build a church that glorifies God? And I think the best way to do it is to jump to the end. If we jump to the end and we look at the end of the book, it kind of gives us the overarching understanding of what we're actually meant to do. So in Revelations 4, 8 through 11, it says this. Day and night. 
They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's jump to the end of verse 11. It says, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Church, our starting place, the church we build, is a house of worship. It's a house of worship. It's a place where he is magnified and his presence dwells. This is the church that we are creating. It's a place where he is magnified and his presence dwells. Grace City Tampa will always be this kind of church. We will always start and we will always be a church that worships God with everything that we have, that glorifies him, that magnifies his great name. It's why we were created. It's why we're on this planet. It's to worship God and God alone. You know, even in Luke uh, 19 verse 40, Jesus says this, that even if the people don't praise me, that the stones will even cry out. We were created for worship. That's why we're on this planet, that we would worship and we would, we would glorify and magnify the great God and the great creator. We start our services every week with worship, not because it's this you know, fun thing to start with, not because that's what everybody does. But we actually do it because when we worship with song, it's one of the only ways that we can emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually give God glory and praise. Spend time in his presence. It's one of the only ways. Emotionally, we hear music and it pulls our soul. Physically, we sing songs and we raise our hands and we engage with God. Mentally or intellectually, we're singing words, promises, truths of God, and we're declaring them. And spiritually, we're enabling our souls to be intertwined with God and allowing room for him to be glorified in our midst. But worship isn't just singing songs. It's not just blocked off at that. It's not just praying. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice. It's a surrender. It's a heart posture for us. You know, so often when there's things that we don't fully understand in our life, we get a little bit scared of them or freaked out by them. Sometimes you just got to dive right in and give it a go. One of those things for me uh, was Crocs. Uh, I was very against Crocs. I thought that whoever wore them had no idea what was going on in the world, and they were disconnected from society. They reminded me of toe shoes. You guys remember toe shoes? We don't need to see in between your toes. We don't need to see that. Just wear some shoes. Sorry if you love your toe shoes. Man, years ago, though, we're walking through Goodwill, and I come across a pair of Star Wars Crocs. Yeah, they're $3, and I thought, this is going to be a good gag gift for someone. I'm going to make someone laugh really hard. I'll give it to somebody. Probably going to give it to Jordan Westberg, and I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. I get him Crocs. So I buy these Crocs, and they were brand new. I put them at my front door. I'm like, I got to remember to bring these with me the next time I go somewhere to give them to them. And so I'm walking by. I'm actually bringing the trash out one day, and I look over, and I see these pair of Crocs. And you know what I do? Slide those Crocs on. You know what I'm saying? Just slide right in. I haven't looked back once. You know what I'm saying? 
I still wear those Crocs pretty much every day. I got the same Crocs years later, these Star Wars Crocs. They pretty much have holes in the bottom of them now. Um, but you can't, you can't dog it till you try it. I'm telling you, you put your feet in some Crocs, you're gonna be loving some Crocs. You're walking on there, this is your lifestyle choice now, okay? But you know, as funny as that is, I think so often, worship unto God can feel this same way to us. We maybe are scared, we don't understand. Why would I do that? Why would I step into that? Why would I walk in that? But I tell you, the moment that you tried and you live a life of worship unto God, you're gonna sit in that and you're gonna understand it. And you're gonna go, this is what I was made for. This is what I'm meant to do with my life. I'm meant to worship God. This is what I was created for. And for eternity and eternity, I will be worshiping him just like the rest of my life. I'm going to be sliding into those Crocs. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to be sliding in, flipping up the back, and just getting in relaxed mode. In Romans 12, 1, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship. Worship isn't just singing songs. Worship is a surrendering. It's an offering of ourselves to God. And I want to say this to you today. When we worship, we put God on the thrones of our hearts. And when we worship, we welcome his presence to dwell. I'm going to say it again so it settles in. When we worship, we put God on the thrones of our hearts. We glorify him, magnify him, let him rule. And when we worship, we welcome his presence to dwell. See, in James 4, 8, the reason I read this is I want us to understand that God is allowing us to come into his space. And he's saying, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He's saying, if you simply take the first step in committing to live a life of worship, to be a church of worship, then he will draw near to us. His presence will dwell. His presence will dwell. So how do we do this? How do we draw near to God? How do we magnify his name? I got three very quick points for you. I want to run through this. First thing is this. We worship through surrender. Worship through surrender. We have to rid ourselves of stuff. We have to die to self and we have to pick up our cross. See, I think so often we can value our social stature over our spiritual surrender. Let me say it again. We value our social stature over our spiritual surrender. See, we think our outward expression of worship or surrender could hurt our social appearance. We have to learn that if that's the case, then we need a shift in our philosophy. We need to be in a spiritual surrender. We need to cling. And we so often we cling on our social stature like it's our self-worth. When we should be clinging onto our spiritual surrender with God as our worth we got to cling on to God. In Matthew 10, 39, it says this, Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And in John 10, 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullness. See, this surrender, when we come and we surrender to God and we relinquish control and we give him our lives, he actually welcomes us into true life with him. In 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18, it says this. What agreement is there between temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, 
I will live them with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. See, the first line of this is so crucial for us to understand. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? He's saying that simply this, that sin and God can't coincide. We have to fully surrender our lives and make room for the presence of God to dwell. We have to give up control, lay down our sin, lay down our pride, lay down our lives so that God can be worshipped. We have to value our spiritual surrender. So number one is worship through surrender. Number two is simply this, worship through praise. Praise is you acknowledging who God is, what he's done, and what he says he's going to do. Praise gives you perspective on your placement in this world. And praise is a heart posture of thanksgiving and giving glory for everything. In Psalms 100, it's one of the best written psalms of understanding what our praise should look like unto God. It says this, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go to his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. See, this right here is what we were made for and this is what our response to God should be. If we're gonna be a house of worship, we have to praise just like this. We have to look at it through this lens that we shout for joy to the Lord and we worship him with gladness and we come before him with joyful songs knowing that he is God, that he made us and we are his. We are the sheep of his pastures. And it says that we come with thanksgiving. Can I tell you this just doesn't have to be in song? This doesn't have to be when you feel it. You can enter his gates with thanksgiving every day when you wake up. When you rise from your bed, you should be entering his gates with thanksgiving. Coming before him with thanksgiving. We worship through praise. Praise needs to be our first response, not our last resort. It needs to be our first response, not our last resort. You want to be in the right place? You want to be in the right place when you get into hardship, when you get into trials, when things come your way? Praise first. It says in verse 4 that we enter his gates of thanksgiving, his courts of praise. And if we're going to be in a place where God dwells, then we have to start with praise. And we got to lift high his name. Number three is this, and I'll invite the band up. When we unite together... Under one mission, we hold so much more power than together than if we did it by ourselves. So number three is worship through unity. Worship through unity. I remember one time I was up in the mountains, and I'm from a place where it snows a lot, and my car got stuck on the side of the road. I was devastated. I was up there for about three hours, freezing. My car was running out of gas. I didn't know what to do. I was trying everything I could to get my car out. And then all these guys in trucks were coming down the mountain. They put some, some chains on the front and back of my car, and within a second, they pulled me out of this ditch and got me out of there. See, 
I use this as an example for us to understand the power of unity. And when people come together, they can accomplish so much more than if they did it by themselves. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. So if we understand this, that in unity, when we gather together, when we unite, when we come together under one mission and under one banner of worship and praise, it says that God is there in the midst of them. See, we're creating a house of worship. We're creating a church of worship where he's magnified and his presence dwells. We want his presence to dwell in this place. And that happens through unity. In Ephesians 2, 21 through 22, it said, In him the whole building was joined together and rises to become a holy temple for the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, we are built, being built together to be a place where God is magnified and his presence dwells. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when we create a place of worship, the presence of God comes. And can I tell you what happens in the presence of God? Fullness of joy. You find hope. You find purpose. It's a shelter for people who need a shelter. It's a peace for people who need peace. The presence of God changes everything for your life. So we need to create places of worship. This is a place of worship. This is a house of worship. Amen. And if we start there and God rules and reigns in and through our lives, it's unstoppable what God can do in and through us because we're coming with a humility and a readiness to worship him. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? I read it earlier, but I think it's important to go back. Luke 19, it's not going to be up on the screens, 38 through 40. Jesus is being welcomed in. It's uh, titled in the book, The Triumphal Entry. This is the Sunday that we celebrate, Palm Sunday. And it's where Jesus comes in on a colt and people are laying down their coats and they're laying down their, uh, the palm branches in front of him so that he can come down. And, and they're speaking these praises unto God. They say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. This great response, they didn't fully understand what they were saying at the time. They thought they were just praising God for the king who was coming. But yet they had the presence of the almighty God walking before them. And the Pharisees saw this and they tripped up. Why are you doing this? Again, like maybe the social stature, they, they stood on that side going, why would you humiliate yourself? Or maybe they were going, how dare you speak this? You need to, and they said to Jesus, Rebuke your disciples. Rebuke these people because they're praising and worshiping you. And Jesus says this, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out if they keep quiet. What a powerful statement Jesus said. Why it's powerful is because everything in all creation was created to bring praise and worship to God. 
everything from the moment the sun was born to the moment the earth was created to every living creature to every drop of water to every fleck of sand I tell you what every single bit of creation is so that God can be worshipped and if we don't cry out if we don't worship it says that even the rocks will cry out everything is bringing glory and praise to God so church I'm telling you it is our responsibility, it is the way we've been given in this great thing that from now until the eternity that we would be people of worship, that we would be people that glorify the great name of God, that we would be people that tell of what he's done and what he's doing and what he's going to do, that we would glorify God and we would sing praises to his great name, that we would worship through surrender, that we would worship through praise. And we would worship through unity. And when we do, his presence dwells. It dwells among us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes across this room? Maybe there's some of you who hear me talking and you go, I haven't taken that first step of worshiping through surrender. I haven't given my life fully over to Jesus. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to create a place for that today. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want to welcome you to raise your hand just to acknowledge that that's you, and you want to start into this relationship with Jesus. Jesus came. He died on the cross, and he rose again for you so that you can know freedom in this life and freedom in the next. So don't wait any longer. Number one, don't wait any longer. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. This is your time. This is your moment. Get your right, your, your heart right with God. Two, the Bible says it, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You have to understand you are so loved, you are so cared about in this moment right here. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and acknowledge that you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus? Amen, amen. I want to take some time as well to pray for everybody else in this room. I would simply ask that everybody just raise your hands. Just raise your hands as an act of surrender. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to continue to allow God to be glorified in our midst. God, right now, I thank you. I thank you that you are building together this great church. Lord, I thank you that we get to write our names on the foundation of this great thing you are building across the planet. Lord, I pray right now that this would be a house of worship that each and every one of us would be people of worship. So Lord, let us worship through surrender and laying down our lives. Let us worship through praise, Lord. Let us worship through unity. God, that we would truly glorify your name and your name alone for our lives and for eternity. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.